friends, welcome to episode 189 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. And I am Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Not too bad. Still need to get that board set up so I don't have to get my butt up after before the show starts, <laughs> just to pause the music when I realize, oh yeah, this is going to go over It's okay. We, we are both a hot mess over here. I am like, uh, I, I didn't realize that the, the intro music, we didn't have our normal tavern uh song in the uh, to go yeah and so i was just about to shove a whole mouthful of oatmeal raisin cookie into my mouth mm-hmm. when all of a sudden the show intro starts and i'm like oh oh yep, yep, <laughs> oh, no yeah yep, yep. chew the, faster i think th- like i've got like 25 preset intros and i add to it every once in a while when like i'll, I'll see arcane anthem's got a bunch of new stuff and i'll mm-hmm. just like i'll make a few more extra but uh yeah there's still a few of them in there like uh next week we're gonna have the yule one oh, right i'll end on, up yeah. doing the pre-intro for that because they had some really fun kind of yule like songs and i thought that would be a good one and i know i did one for uh the halloween specifically which i f- did not cycle in this year i missed that uh but uh yeah i, I kind of like doing the the themed ones but yeah it's it's funny when i catch one we're like oh that's right these three songs exactly fit out to 10 minutes crap <laughs> <laughs> so so uh i don't know do we want to we have any gaming to talk about i don't think we do really. not really i mean the and I, I'll, I'll say the December's going to be pretty chill for us. I don't think I think we're all on gaming hiatus until till the January. end. Till yeah. the end. I will say that I did go to the uh, mouse card event. Yeah, that's right. So that was last night. Um, you got to meet one of our listeners. I did. I yeah. did. Well, two technically. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the Mad Elf and uh, Tim uh, Saucer was there, and uh, it was it was a it was a really nice event. It was really cool to see both adults and kids. Uh, you know, kind of questioning this author who 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 did a beautiful presentation. I want to say it was about forty five minute presentation. Well, uh, with the, his art, the author of Mouse Guard, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Yep. author and artist, Ar- yep, author I, and I artist, yes, yes, yes. Um, but he spoke highly of both the graphic novels as well as the creation of the game, mm-hmm. uh, the the tabletop game, which did have a rocky start to start out with. Um, some people know that history. I'm not going to get into it. Sure, sure. Um, but. Uh, Really has a love and a passion for the world that he created. And yeah. he talked about world building, which was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, the one question that I did make sure to ask was, how do you know when to stop? Yeah. Because, I mean, he has graphic novels. He's 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 always building more content. Mm-hmm. Um, but he set himself some really good guidelines, like, of what he wants to do. He never writes more than the active stuff he's in. Good. So he good. doesn't he doesn't think too much further. He used to do that. He used to go too far. In fact, he was saying that when he was like nineteen and and, and just getting into college, uh, and earlier he had this pantheon of races mm-hmm. uh, that he was get foxes and you know everything else under the sun because he fell in love with Disney's um, Robin Hood. Oh yeah, yeah. And kind of saw that as the beginning of everything for him. Yeah. Okay. And then he kept narrowing it down until he got to mice because mm-hmm. he realized that scale was a huge problem. For yeah, him. yeah. And uh, so the only thing he does is, and he, he makes sure that the uh, um, a lot of people are familiar with Redwall as being a kind of a, a counterpoint when it was actually addressed to him. His Sarah, when he mm-hmm. was creating it, was just like, "Hey, have you seen this Redwall thing?" And he, he he's like, "No." And he looks at, it, he's like. Oh, oh God! This is anthropomorphic fantasy. Crap, and it's and it's good. God damn, it's good. Oh, and like no. he was so heartstruck, but at the same time, he didn't want to do that. So it took him a number of years to kind of put together and and solidify his thoughts on it. One of the big things was is mice are mice for mice. They are not like uh, it, it's not about community and the rest of 
of society around the mouse society. Like, we're going to work with the geese and the turtles. No, it's like, they're utilitarian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they have their own societies, but, like, we may trade grain with this other, you know, prey creature who we agree with, and we may work with a predator on occasion, but, like, only within our own benefits, because we understand what could happen. And that was a neat like a neat lens to look at mouse guard with that was different um but it definitely exposed a lot more of how the hierarchy and aspects of of building mouse guard came out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i really enjoyed it it was a it was a wonderful talk i i if if it comes back around or you're ever in a city where he's around go yeah yeah absolutely bring your kids have a great time i don't i'd have loved to have gone uh i think like i when when i I saw it kind of like bandied about on on uh on discord and i was like oh yeah you know i should i should you know really go there i would love to meet tim because i know tim said he was going to be there and i I always love hanging out with the mad elf and Mm -hmm. um you know get to hang out with you for an extra night uh on the week and i'm like yeah i gotta do that and like i just didn't say anything to anyone about my intentions to go nope i (laughs) Which is and usually I, my and then trigger. I just lost track of time, yeah. and then you guys were like, "We had such a great time," and I'm like, "Ah, damn it!" Yeah. <laughs> and for me, it's like, for me, when you don't say something, I'm like, "Oh, is Sarah just being nice and bowing out quietly?" I'm not gonna, I'm not no, gonna step into this that one. Was, so. That was that was ADHD, is what that was. Okay, that's of, fair. That's of fair. Having no sense of chronology. That's fair. And that's, fair. Uh, uh, that's one of my one of my one of my biggest flaws as a person is just my inability to acknowledge that time marches forward at a steady sixty seconds per minute. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> D- don't, don't it, don't yeah. it much. So, um, and like whole, whole like days, months, weeks, like just to tend to blur together for me a lot. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, speaking of time slipping through our fingers, no joke. We, we are, uh, rambling when we should be talking about our system spotlights. Yes. Our tonight. sci-fi double feature. Yes. Which I love to do cuz it's uh, cuz that's something that like there's whole generations who don't understand sci-fi double feature. So, uh the uh, we're doing a double feature tonight because uh one of our one of the the, the, the game systems we want to uh, shine a spotlight on is actually a one-page rules yeah. game. Yeah. Um it is uh called Lasers and Feelings. Mm-hmm. And um the entire game, the setup, the story setup, Character creation, playing rules, and plot hooks. Yeah, everything <laughs> are all on literally one page, free to download online. Um, and that game is called Lasers and Feelings. I highly recommend you go grab a copy of it if you have a second while listening to this. Just pull it up; it'll take you a second. It's you can search Lasers and Feelings RPG. You will get the PDF very mm-hmm. quickly. Um, uh, it was and you can follow along. Yeah, it was uh, inspired by, but not based off of a song by a, uh, a group called the Double Clicks mm-hmm. uh, of the same name, Lasers and Feelings. Um, it's, it's a really cute and catchy song. It really is. It's, a cute song. Uh, if if any of you know the song Skull Crusher Mountain by Jonathan Colton, it's like if you flip that song completely upside mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. It's the love interest singing a love ballad to the evil mastermind. Yes. Um. And uh, so the, the the text of the game is actually by John Harper. It was created in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find that at johnharper.itch.io. Mm-hmm. Um, and it uh, actually comes with a Creative Commons 4.0 license. Yep. Uh, it gives permission right on the one sheet to make your own lasers and feeling hack. Share it. Sell it as you like. Yeah. It's just out there for free. Yeah, and it's uh, – it, it... 
it lends itself to good hacks. It really does. It's um, a pretty simple system. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, God, I'm, now I'm wondering, and I didn't, I did not look this up before the show. Mm-hmm. I want to almost want to Google it right now. Is, sure. Uh, was uh, Honey Heist a lasers and feelings hack? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know because it plays very similarly. It might be. It might um, be. So I'm, I'm wondering about that. And uh, anyways, uh, I, I will. I'll probably look that up um, a little bit later. Uh, but so the one page of rules mm-hmm. we have, we don't even have a book to discuss. We, we don't. have a, a sheet. Yes. Quick, easy, approachable. Barely an inconvenience. Barely an inconvenience. Um, it's very no frills. Uh, there's literally only three lines of story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will read. I I will read you stuff verbatim. It's not long. There's only one page of rules, right? Yeah. yeah. You were the crew of the interstellar scout ship Raptor. Your mission to, is to explore uncharted regions of space, deal with aliens both friendly and deadly, and defend the consortium worlds against space dangers. Captain Darcy has been overcome by a strange psychic entity known as something else, leaving you to fend for yourselves while he recovers in a medical pod. And that's it. That that's is it. all the story you get. Yep. Um... Followed by the character creation rules, uh, some the, the, the rules for gameplay, and the random charts to make story hooks. Yep. That's it. If you're in the live chat, actually, Heatsink has just posted the uh, the one page in there. Yep. Yep. And you get you, you can get the lasers and feelings of staring at it. Exactly. And literally a two-tone PDF. It's blue and black text on a white background. Mm-hmm. It's in various shades. And I think it does a great job. And... Uh, one of the things that you uh, that you had pointed out, and I totally agreed when I stared at it, I realized it, but I didn't really connect to it, and that was that the page even gives you that immediate Star Trek Lost in Space feel. It's it, it puts it right there in front of you with the way the text looks, with the art of the ship in the corner. It's got a very 1960s font to it. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's you're you're basically just out there in it. And it even says that your basic gear is like a base suit, a phaser, and a tricorder. Yeah, they they word them slightly ambiguously because um, phaser and tricorder are you know Star Trek uh, 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 trademarks. But right. yeah, it's it's yeah it's a it's a tricorder, it's a phaser, and in your spacesuit, and that's it. That's yeah. your starting that's your starting gear. Mm-hmm. They don't give you stats for any of these things. They don't tell nope. you how much damage your phaser does. There's no combat rules. Nope. There's, but it leans very heavily um, into, and we'll we'll talk about the like the plot hooks mm-hmm. in a second here, but yeah, it leans very heavily into this like Lost in Space mm-hmm. original series Star Trek before they got too serious about things. Yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, just all those like I don't know, I don't know is Buck Rogers a thing? Like, no, too too heroic, too heroic, too okay. heroic. Like that definitely sits within the high fantasy uh, heroism. Yeah, but like, but like late late sixties, early seventies pulp sci fi adventure. It was the sci fi adventure. Yeah. Definitely the sci fi adventure. I mean, it, you could say it even lends farther back to like H. G. Wells kind of adventure, where sure. you know you're going into the unknown against the unfathomable. Right, right, right. You know, who knows what this plucky bunch of weirdos will do? 
Because that's what it always was. It was always some weird band of individuals, some kind of an investigator or intelligent person, somebody who was, you know, brick ham hawk, you know, who yeah. was your, you know, your, your, your barely wearing a shirt dude, you know, your damsel who was there and like th- that concept. And this kind of breaks that a little bit and brings it forward in time to say, okay, we have an adventuring party of individuals who are still as quirky. Right. Yeah, but yeah, now yeah, yeah. you can mix up all of those tropes and get get into your space hijinks. Um and it, it definitely has that feel, that that softness to it that allows you to get into trouble and out of trouble, not just ham fisted. Mm-hmm. Because that's not what the system's selling. Yeah, fifty percent of this is lasers, but the other fifty percent is knowing the bat wait a minute, no. Uh is <laughs> is feelings, you know. Yeah. Um so let's roll into character creation because again, that's only like four steps, right? Sure. Um, character creation—you choose your your the style for your character, mm-hmm. and this is a meaningless descriptor. Yeah, uh, does not have any end game thing. Alien, android, dangerous, heroic, hotshot, intrepid, or savvy. Yeah, it it goes right back to adventure in my mind. And then choose a role for your character: doctor, envoy, engineer, explorer, pilot, scientist, or soldier. So you can be an android engineer or a heroic scientist or an intrepid soldier yeah you know just and again these are meaningless word descriptors that have no in-game but they have role-playing significance to you to remind you yeah Yeah. exactly um then you choose a number between two and five Mm -hmm. that's it that's you you don't roll stats you choose a number between two and five the higher the number means you're better at lasers lasers signify technology science cold rationality calm precise action things that are more intellectual Mm -hmm. and and purposeful in nature yes a lower number means you are good at feelings and this is intuition, diplomacy, seduction, wild or passionate action, mm-hmm. things that come from the heart, not the head. Yeah. Uh, and that's it. Your That is essentially your one stat, mm-hmm. is where you rate on a line between lasers and feelings. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love mm-hmm. that concept, because it, it, it beckons to humanity in uh, Vampire, you know, that... that, that role-playing concept that you slide through, reputation, things like that. Things that have a a mechanical aspect but are really geared around the narrative of your character. Mm-hmm. Getting And that's the thing is, is that most stories don't give you that choice of a narrative of your character, and this gives all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, your stats are the narrative of your character. Yeah, stat. Yeah. <laughs> you put an S on the end of I that. I did, I did. Um yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and then uh, give your character a cool space adventure name, like Sparks McGee or something. <laughs> I uh, like that. Ver- verbatim, Sparks <laughs> McGee or something. Yeah. Um, I highly recommend, if you're going to play this, uh, that you give uh, Mystery Science Theater Space Mutiny a watch. Okay, yes. Um, okay. There are some great name suggestions in there, such as Slam Squat Thrust and Gristle McThorn Body. Fridge hard meat and uh, touch rust rod. Uh, none, of, none of these are smoke punch hard. You know? Smoke <laughs> like, punch hard. I remember like, smoke punch hard. Uh, yeah, so uh, definitely, definitely get in there um, on that one. And then, yeah, your start, starting gear, like we said, was a uniform, a phaser, and a tricorder mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that take care of all of like just 
effectively removing all of the minutia. Mm-hmm. Like you're there for the adventure, not for the mechanics. Yeah, yeah, you're in, you're in space, and the you're you're on the starship Raptor, and the captain's down for you know down for medical right now. Go to it. Go go have adventures. Um, so ordinarily we talk about like an advancement system. There is no advancement. There's no advancement. There's no advancement. System. There's no advancement system. Uh, so the mechanics. Yeah. How do you play this wacky one sheet with only a with only one stat? Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I will say that uh, even I could quickly pick this up because I read the one sheet twice. Yep. Yep. Um, and that is is that the concept of being prepared or being an expert at something basically gives you an extra die to roll, and it's it makes it just a a a simple way of like. Can you narratively think that you're prepared, or perhaps you're an expert at this because you're an ace pilot and you're piloting in what you're doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that works. And then you sell that to the DM again, much like adventure or a lot of the other indie games. You're you're selling it to the table, yeah, yeah. and and to yourself even. You know, mm-hmm. to say, am I an expert? Was I prepared for this? You know, sure. But you know? I mean, really, I, all, at the end of the day, kind of doesn't matter. Because all it is, you've only got the one stat to roll off of. Right. You know? Um, And so when you want to do something risky, you roll 1d6. And you see if that goes... uh, No. And and this is where it depends on what your approach is. There we go. And in that, in that, this game actually takes a little bit of inspiration from the likes of, say, like Legend of the Five Rings. Okay? I would say so. Because it doesn't matter if you're an expert pilot. There's no stat for expert pilot. Mm -mm. There's no stat for I'm a strong man or I'm a crack shot. No. Or anything like that. Those things don't matter. Mm -hmm. What is your approach? Are you... Are you shooting at the alien as your intrepid soldier, Sparks McGee? Are you shooting at him wildly, hoping to savagely take him down? Or are you taking the time to calmly and precisely aim? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're taking the time to calmly and precisely do anything, that's a laser's roll. Right. But if you're just lacing into him, screaming as you put the put the laser cannon on full auto and un- mm-hmm. unloading on him, well, that's a feelings roll. Yep. Okay. Roll now, the die and see if you're over. Or under. Or under. So it's it's best to conceptualize, I think, lasers and feelings as like your 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 stat being a point on a line mm-hmm. between one and six, essentially. And so on one side you've got lasers and on one side you've got feelings, and what you want to do is you want to roll on that side of the line. Mm-hmm. Right? So typically it's it's a high or low. If you're using lasers, you want to roll under your number. If you're rolling feelings, you roll over your number. Yep. Um now, the storyteller, again, being a very heavily narrative thing, mm-hmm. and you are going to try to talk the storyteller into saying that you are proficient in doing what you are doing here. Mm-hmm. You add one die if you are prepared. Yes. And you add one die if you are an expert. Yeah. So if you're an intrepid soldier using a laser cannon, yeah, you could pretty, argue, pretty easily argue yeah. you're an expert. Sure. Right. Sure. Do you have the laser cannon? Yes, I do. Cool. Mm-hmm. You're also prepared. Yep. Roll three dice. And and again, you're you're trying to sometimes roll over or sometimes roll under, mm-hmm. and it's and it's just how the narrative is going to go, and mm-hmm. I love that. And it's it is your approach. Like so, for instance, you have the you know the the uh, the alien monster comes racing across the the ship at 
the engineer and soldier, and the soldier is holding down another, and he basically says, get him, and your character goes, I'm no fighter, and he rips off an antenna and says, didn't you do fencing? And you're like, yes. <laughs> and suddenly this aristocratic, you know, doctor can fence yeah, right. with it, and it sells. Exactly. But again, that's the player's meta in saying, like, dude, you're way better at feeling, er, at, uh, feelings than lasers you know we're way better at lasers than feelings go mm -hmm. this direction with yeah, it absolutely. you know it's all about empowering your friends to do the things that they're good at you know yep, exactly um and then basically you just count up successes uh so if uh none of your dice come up on your side of the lasers or feelings that you're trying to hit it's a failure something goes wrong um if it's a one if you only get one success it's mm -hmm. barely a success the storyteller is probably going to add a complication or some sort of a consequence if you get two mm -hmm. you did it congratulations yeah. that's a good success and if you get all three of them congratulations that is a critical success um now the only way to get uh uh three dice is actually let's see you get one oh no because you if you're prepared and if you're an expert you can get three dice um you can get a fourth dice if somebody helps yeah, that's that's right. I forgot about help. I forgot yep. about the helping. Helping is one of the only other rules other than rolling for lasers and feelings. Um, and then uh, if you land directly on your number, so we're going to set up our character here. You choose your number between two and five. I will choose three. Sure. Okay. If I roll a three. Exactly. That comes up. I get laser feelings. Something special happens. Yeah. It's not a crit. It is that you can now ask the GM a question that they have to answer honestly. Mm hmm And I love that. That's a fantastic thing. You know? And it, it opens the plot door again. And I love that. Like, most games, it's like, oh, you do more damage. Or, oh, you get a benefit of some kind. Like, mm -hmm. this is just like, no, I'm going to give you plot. Well, there aren't any numbers to support here, so nope. you, it's it's a completely narrative game. Yep. You might as well get some more narrative out mm -hmm, of it, you know? Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. drives the story forward. It keeps things moving. Very I much like so. it. I like it a lot. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, uh, you, can, you can help as well. Um, if you want to help someone um, else who's rolling, you say how you're going to help, uh, and you make your own roll. Yes. If you succeed, they add they add a die yep. to, their, to their own roll. Yeah. Uh, how do you run this? However you want, honestly. Yeah. They give you a little bit of a plot synopsis, like a, a randomizer, if you will, uh, that's in the corner. And you can see it on the sheet there. It's, it's actually just a small blob that they threw in uh, that asks some basic questions. Uh, and you could roll. You can roll on 1d6, or you can just pick off the table. It doesn't matter. So, like, you, you have a threat who wants to, the, like, the area, and which will do something. And I think if more... Game systems had those four entry points for how to create an adventure, we would be way better off in most systems. Like, the the whole point was that most people aren't even given basic adventure uh, outlets to be able to say, like, okay, these are the things we need to be able to have an adventure. But this literally paints the picture of, like, yeah, no, it's just what is the threat what does that threat want to do? How does that threat affect whatever the thing is, like the town, the village, in this case, the universe, or the void crystals, mm -hmm. you know? And then finally, like, what is the effect of that going to have? And it's 
this is the smallest blob that gives you the best information as a storyteller that you pretty much need for every game ever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You never see this. You never see... Well, I can't say you never see this. You do see this, but sometimes, like, we've seen this more in the last, I would say, six months of games in the indie games and stuff, where when a narrative narrative section comes up for the DM, usually they have something like, here's a random chart of creating an adventure. It is a this. Wants to do this. And it's painted out for you within their style. But, like, you don't see that in D&D. They're Mm -hmm. not going to give you a a simplistic chart. They want you to buy an adventure package. (laughs) Right. You know? Right. You know, but, and that's, but this is all you need. This is, this is it right here. Especially when you've narrowed the genre to you're in space having adventures. It's space adventures. That's what this is. And the great thing is like, because it's so rules light and like, there's literally one stat, one type of role you can make. Mm -hmm. You've got no crunch. No. You know, there's no, there's nothing, there's no encounters to balance. No. There's no monster stat blocks to keep in mind or did you succeed or ship stats or, you know. It's like the antithesis to crunch. It's just like I want to tell a fun, goofy story. Uh, one of our one of our listeners described it as a beer and pretzels game. I, I love think that. That's, term. I think it's perfect. Yeah, it is very perfect. much so. Yeah, you grab it, you can play it. You, you just need some dice. Mm-hmm. Like you barely need paper for this. Oh shoot! Uh oh! Did you spill some tea? Oh, it's, yeah. You spilled the tea. Luckily, but but that's the but that's it. Like it's that accessible. It is. It is so simple to be able to get into a story immediately. And honestly, I would say go for it. If you're a new storyteller and just want to do something, have fun with it. Yeah. yeah. Like, do this. Sit down and, 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 and run a game with your friends and enjoy your beer and pretzels moment. Cute little system. It's free. It's easy yeah. to play. You know, you've got literally no no barrier of entry here, so... Uh, highly suggest it. Um, no, there are, um... Nope, I actually screwed up and copied and pasted in the wrong section. Oh, yeah, you did. So keep going down. Closing Uh, thoughts. So, yeah, closing thoughts. Uh, what does Lasers and Feelings do well? Um, cuts out all the frills. It does. Jumps right to the rules. Yep. Um, you need very little to learn this game system. Um, super easy to learn, super easy to play, and the lack of structure actually makes it infinite versatility. Like, mm-hmm. you don't even need to use this as a space game. You could use this for literally anything. It's just suggested that it's a space game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing holding it there, uh, honestly. So, um... Oh, whoops. I uh, cut it, sorry. The sheet is moving around as you that were cutting and pasting. That was my fault. That was totally go. my fault. Uh, so what does Lasers and Feelings not do well? Well, I will say this. It is... Uh, it is exceptionally approachable in the sense that it's uh, it's unassuming. Mm-hmm. But what it lacks in crunch really can be a detriment for people who need that. Yeah. Like, if you've got players who are used to OSR, who are used to dungeon running, and not used to talking much, to be perfectly honest, um, about who their character is and what their character is doing, this could be daunting. This yeah. could ask a lot. It yeah. also doesn't set boundaries. It doesn't talk about lines and veils, so in that sense, if it's brand new, makes some people could make some kind of silliness could go a little far. I'm not saying that that's a yeah. common thread. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's because there's no advancement, like it's one and done. So there, there could sometimes be like a bitter appetite at the end that, like, maybe I didn't do well as a DM because 
I can't. There's nothing to hide behind. There's no failure points. It's just me running the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but at the same time, I would say like, like all good painters, paint more. This gives you that option. Yeah, if you exactly. want to be a good storyteller and you need an accessible point, try this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the only other criticism I would I would love you on it um, is just simply by its nature as a one page. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so bare bones that it gives you uh, other than like those those random prompts. Um, it basically gives you nothing to build off of. There's no world building. There's Mm-mm. no anything to it. Mm-mm. So you have to come up with everything as the storyteller. Yeah. So uh, if you are not great at world building, if that's a stressful thing for you, Lasers and Feelings is not going to give you any help in that department. No, um, but it does It does give you the grace of adapting a lot of other mechanics to this system um, that aren't mechanics. Sure. Like, like the... Um, Let's build the city together or the space station together. You tell me what are in the blank spaces. Oh, sure, you know, sure. That type of world building with the group becomes infinitely easier because now the framework doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. There's no rules to it, so nope. you might as well just have a conversation and do do it purely narrative. So, right. So yeah. you can you can definitely do the more open world uh, or, or open design for narrative uh, um, buy-in from your players and go very far with that. Mm-hmm. But you got to know about those things. You yep. got to know to try those things. And then, honestly, if you start that way, it makes adapting those into other systems a lot easier. And you might feel a little pigeonholed as you get farther into mechanical systems. Yeah, right on. So, all right. Speaking of which, we got to keep this moving. Yeah. Uh, we have a whole other system to talk about. And this one's arguably a lot bigger and a lot more dense, a lot more than I, I thought it was going to be. thought this was going to be lighter, but. Yeah. So, uh, the second system we're going over tonight is called Mothership. Now, Mothership, I don't know if it's the antithesis in theme, um, but it is definitely grittier because of its nature. Um, I would say if if uh, uh, if we were putting this to a fantasy, I would definitely put this on, on the uh, Morgborg side of things. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would tip it as far as Morgborg goes, but... Um... I see the direction you're going, and I respect it. Yeah. Um, whereas the, the tone and feel of Lasers and Feelings is like, you're in space, let's have a fun adventure together. This mothership is more, you're in space, you're gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, I, I definitely... You should not be here. I, 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 I see the plastic ship on a, on a string floating against, like, a black background, mm-hmm. wiggling in space, and it's pigs in space meets, you know, space adventure, is, is literally lasers and feelings. Like, that is that. Whereas this one is literally, like, uh, you know, Weta... Bi- rebuilt a a custom you know kit bashed model that you're zooming into that is a red light blinking in the cockpit you while know? the soundtrack goes bomb yeah just <laughs> with the beat of the light yeah. you know as it's going and you re- and like you're suddenly in a ship that's a danger oxygen levels low like that's the system in my mind frame the, the way i described it to you earlier when we were having a little powwow about this was um i think if you if you took the alien rpg mm-hmm. and wrung it out like a sponge juiced it like an orange <laughs> Mothership is what the is is what you would get is the juice that comes out of that you know, um you've you've thrown away you filed off all the serial numbers you've you've thrown away the vessel that held it that was this vast IP of Alien 
with all this world building and this this iconic monster and stuff like that. And if you just get the essence of it, just just the juice from the orange, you know, you end up with this space survival, arguably survival horror game. Though I don't, I don't know that it leans too heavily into the horror elements, but it definitely leans into the survival elements, you know? Yeah, yeah, I mean... And it creates this atmosphere of this oppressive, harsh environment that, like you said, leans into almost that Morkborg of, like, maybe you should have a backup character. Yeah, you no, <laughs> very much in that, very much in that. So, Tuesday Night Game Studio, or Games, did this in 2018. It was Sean McCoy, who both wrote and illustrated it. And in 2019, it won an uh, any award for best game. Mm-hmm. So it was right up there. And a lot of people talked about Mothership for quite some time. Um, one of the neatest points that I'm going to have to say right off the bat is you can get this on DriveThruRPG, and it suggests that you pay $7.50 for it. But you could get it for free if you want it for free. It is it is pay what you want. Yeah, at the on the player's book for this. You and I both bought it for full price because we want to support the support the community. But if yeah, if if money's tight, like they'd rather you have it in your hands and have some fun with your your, your gaming group than put yourself out to, yeah. to, to and, pay for and it. And that is what we're reviewing. We did not get. The 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 edition zero, which is the kickstarted edition that's still coming out, we are not we're not looking at. That. Or no, no, we are looking at edition zero. We're not looking at edition one. Other they, they named the them other... in reverse. Why? I don't know. Okay. I do not know. But like literally, anyway, their we're own looking at the current release not that is available. The one that is in the Kickstarter, right? Because they, they did release that PDF to people, uh, and you can look at that rules if you're on that Kickstarter. Uh, but it's not accessible otherwise. Yeah, um, and neither of us are. And there's some conversion to it and some adjustments. I'll, I'll make comments about that later. But uh, realistically, you can you can drift between them. Mm-hmm. Um, it is black and white for the most part in the PDF. Um, and I will say there are lots of charts, lots of flow charts. Flow charts. It is a sketchy art style, which I think really blends again to the feeling of what you're exper- what you're meant to experience in it. Yeah, I thought that the sketchy art style was neat to me because it kind of expressed uh, like the sketchiness of the. Um of the setting it's like space impressionism it's space impressionism (laughs) but it's it felt to me like it was like look we all know this is essentially alien with the with the uh the the serial numbers filed off and even like like the the, you look at the weapons and it's like the pulse rifle and you're like oh really the pulse rifle and the pulse the right pulse rifles are sketchy you 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 can tell by the blobs of the art what they are yeah and that's about it yeah you know yeah Uh, i'm not gonna say it looks like a four-year-old did them but it, it looks like somebody who, you know, it looks like you're looking at them and you don't have your glasses on. The the artistic, the actual artistic term is gestures. Thank you. They're, um, those are, they're, they're, they're gestures. They're, mm-hmm. you basically, you, you put the pencil down and you don't pick it up. You just move it in, you get motion mm-hmm. to create shapes. Mm-hmm. And it kind of comes across almost as a scribble, but it, at the yeah. end of the day, you get the the general shape of what you're looking for. All the artwork is done like that. Yeah, and I will say that the it, it is not as harsh as Morkborg in its artistic design. Mm-hmm. Morkborg definitely carries that over with the changes in fonts, but it does make you feel uncomfortable. It is very it, it the the choices in text, the way things are blocked, um art it isn't a comfortable style but i don't think it's meant to be i don't know that it was deliberate formatting choice i don't i don't think they formatted it that way to make you feel uncomfortable because it's a space survival game 
I think they just formatted it that way because they shoved blocks of text into it. All right, all like, right. It, it it felt like it felt like because it was a rules light, um, nearly free system mm-hmm. designed to go straight to PDF that they essentially just shoved text into it, and I mean it's functional. Mm-hmm. But it's not a good design. Well, it's it's a, it's a Zine design. It's a yeah, very yeah, yeah. small book. Um, and actually, the physical printout of it is pretty darn small. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why it's like thirty pages. Or no, not thirty. Forty. Thirty six. Thirty six. Uh, it's, it's almost it's, it's forty. Total, total, like forty two if you count covers and stuff. Right, right, right. So, um, but yeah, it's it feels lethal because it is lethal. Character hit points are not high in this. Weapon mm-hmm. damage is pretty significant. Yep. Um, and it's it definitely leans to that gritty osr style that original you know i'm going into a dungeon feel i'm not really gonna make an impact on this but maybe the next guy will it's not roguelike it's not that far um but there are rules for starvation and dehydration and asphyxiation like once you get into that level of things like you can make decisions on ammo on whether or not it's important. And the game says, like, if you're doing a survival game, definitely do that. Like, lean into that. That it, it matters. And I think having those things, it, it it pushes you back to that feeling that this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. What You're playing in a dangerous game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Character creation can be done on the character creation sheet. And I love that. Yeah. It doesn't take extra space of the sheet to tell you how to make your character. And the blob text that was next to the character sheet that talked about it literally gave you the full rundown of what the person did to make their character while someone else was ordering pizza. Mm. So in less than 20 minutes, you can have a character. Yeah, absolutely. A a OSR level character, which is pretty good. That's a pretty good time to do it with. So. Yeah, and, and a lot of a lot of it's honestly just like uh, you know, check check a box. Um it reminded me a lot of uh some of the um uh what do they call them? Uh, Powered by the Apocalypse playbooks. Yes. Uh specifically like uh Urban Shadows I remember was basically just like your character creation was like a assign a negative 1 to uh, to one of these and a po- and a plus 1 to one of those of your four attributes and then mm-hmm. check one of these, two of those and one of these and you're ready yeah. to go. And pick some words. Pick some words. Yeah. Yeah, that describe this thing. Yep. Um and that's very much what character creation in uh in in Mothership is like. Um mm-hmm. you uh you do roll for some stats. Um, so it's going to be 6d10. The entire system uses d10s across the board. It does. And, uh, oddly at times. <laughs> uh, oddly at times, but, but the, the only dice you will need is a d, is, is, is a handful of d10. Um, so I rolled 6d10, that's additive. Um, so add, add up the total of your dice and you get your four attributes, your strength, your speed, your intellect, and your combat. Mm. Um, you will choose a class. Your class will either be Teamster which is essentially a, uh, you know, blue-collar worker sort of person, um, a scientist, an android, or a marine. And you can obviously see the uh, alien with the serial numbers filed off influence right mm-hmm. there. Um, now, your class will essentially determine, first off, modifiers to your base stats. Uh, like, for instance, teamsters get plus five to strength, plus five to speed. Um, they will determine your starting saves, your saves are sanity, fear, body, and armor, which I thought armor being a save was an interesting 
uh, choice, but we will get to that in, in, in the mechanics section. Um, and then they will also determine how you handle stress and panic. Each one of the classes does different things when they gain stress and or have to make a panic check. Right. For instance, like if the if I'm trying to remember if the scientist fails a sanity check or sanity save, mm-hmm. everyone around them takes stress. Yes. Because if the scientist can't wrap his brain around it, yep. what the hell even is that? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And like other situations, like the ship is taking damage, mm-hmm. everyone has to check. Yes. Because. Everyone's terrified about that. Yes. And if two or more people lose their mind in panic, you yeah. you've got to check yourself too. Yeah. There's there's a there's a whole there's a whole mechanics for that. Mm-hmm. Um. And then you choose skills. Now skills were skills were very a little bit interesting to me. Um. Okay. And they were one of the places that kind of made my eyes cross a little bit. It's it's not as easy on the sheet, but it makes sense tree wise. It makes sense tree wise, and it's it's pretty quick and easy to play once you understand what you're looking at. Right, exactly. But man, does it look confusing as hell when you just look at it. Mm -hmm. Because the skill chart is essentially this big flow chart with all these other lines drawn to other skills. Mm -hmm. And they're in three columns. You've got trained, expert, and master skills. Yep. Right? Now, normally, in most games, you're going to have your base skills, like firearms or something, right? And your firearm skill at one would be basic, at two would be expert, and three would be master. And you would just, like, say, roll that many dice or something, or right, get right. a flat bonus based on that whenever you're using firearms. And Lasers and Feelings doesn't really function that way. So you've got a list of trained, of basic skills in your first column. And they're broad topics, such as military training, mm-hmm. or first aid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you have proficiency in that skill, you either have it or you don't. Right. And if you have proficiency in the skill, you will add plus 10 to the attribute role that it is based off of, or that, that you are going to base your roles off of. So if you're doing something that requires first aid and say, maybe you are trying to perform first aid very, very quickly because you are under alien attack or something like that, right? You might make a speed check. But at plus 10, because you have the first aid skill. Okay. Okay. Um, Then there are your expert skills, which is your second column. They are not the same as your first column. They are specializations of things that are in the first column. So first aid turns into pathology or genetics. You know, or oh, I'm sorry, no, no, it psychology turns, in, turns into biology. Or what, bi- yeah, biology yeah, turns right. into biology. Okay, um, or is biology does not? I don't know. But, but anyways, anyways yeah, for, yeah, turns into pathology, right? So, but anyways, so it turns into a completely different skill. Mm-hmm. If you have one of those, you get plus fifteen percent to your applicable, right. you know, role. Um, and then those have mastery versions which like pathology like could turn into like psychology or genetics and xenobiology and stuff of that like um and so they start getting more and more and more and more granular as you go up in like college phd level you know sure stuff there um and you get plus 20 if you have proficiency in one of those 
And then the reason why this has all looked very complicated to me is not only because it did not follow that linear progression of just add plus one to it. Right. But you've then got all these lines drawn from one to the next, and it essentially sketches out what skill progression is. Mm -hmm. So biology does not become biology too. It branches into expert skills, psychology, and genetics. So you have to get psychology or genetics, you have to have biology. And then genetics becomes xenobiology at the master level. But it also requires that you have not only hydroponics in trained, but botany in expert, as well as first aid and pathology, which oh, are Lord. all prerequisites to get xenobiology. Okay, okay, okay. If you want to go that high. Yeah, it started reminding me of Eve online. <laughs> No, that makes a lot of sense. And the percentages remind me of Palladium, honestly. Because I remember the percentages, yes. the percentage abilities yes. being a huge thing, because that's how you how you rolled. Yeah. You had to just basically roll under your percentage. Yep. Yep. And it's it's the same thing in, in uh in Mothership. Yeah. Um but you but your your skills then just become modifiers to the base stat that they're based off of. Yeah, but to try and explain that these are prereqs to this on a single page. I mean, it's, it's maddening, but at the same time, it works. I mean, all the information's there. It's mm -hmm. easy. You just follow the lines, and if you see three arrows pointing to the thing, you just trace those arrows back to the requisite skills and go, okay, those are the things I need. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and it's, it's not that bad. And then you can just purchase these skills. Like, you, when you choose your starting class, it'll give you a handful of skills that you're, you're, uh, yep. you've got on your sheet already, and then it gives you a number of points. Mm -hmm. It's just a small number of points, like two between two and four. Yeah. Um. And then you can buy additional skills to kind of round out your character. A trained cost one, an expert cost two, and a master cost three. You have to buy the previous ones before you can take, like, you can't just jump to an expert skill. You have to take the prereqs first. Makes sense. Um, your equipment is all done in packages. Easy. Easy. Just choose a starting package. Equip your loadout. Um, mm -hmm. And then your finishing touches, you got a couple derived stats. Mm -hmm. um, your health is twice your body. Mm-hmm. Uh, your stress starts at two, resolve starts at zero, and you take a number of credits, which is like 5d10 times 10. Mm -hmm. And that's it. You're ready to rock. Yeah, sounds, it, it feels in many ways like Palladium. Yeah. In many ways, especially uh, modern or Except or like that character creation doesn't take you eight hours. <laughs> that is true, because you're writing down all these skills and... <laughs> proficiencies and, and your OCCs uh, and your... But again, it, all of that beckons to a simplified version of it in this, and I, I yeah. like that. I I would probably play riffs in this faster. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it, it, like, like I said, it looks a little daunting when you look at it because there's a lot of lines drawn with arrows right. and stuff like that, but like, really, you just check a couple boxes and you're ready to go. Which is funny because like, again, they describe the character creation takes 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, we, we went through a lot to discuss how I that's working, but no, it's 100% 20 minutes. I believe it. Yep. I absolutely believe it, yeah. This does have an advancement system, though. This one does. This one does. It's it's kind of neat, actually. Mm -hmm. um, it's a leveled system, believe yep. it or not. Um, I don't typically like leveled systems, but I think this one's open enough. Yeah. Like, I dislike leveled systems because I hate tiered progression, right? This is a leveled system with nonlinear progression. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you level, it's it's an XP to level up system. Okay. Um, so, uh, but when you level up, you get rewards of essentially a bundle of points to spend in various places in your character. Um, you can either 
improve one stat by five and another by three, or improve two of your saves by four to a max of 85 each. Okay. Then as a second step, you can either gain one resolve or remove one phobia or addiction or heal all of your stress. Mm -hmm. And then as a third thing, you gain two skill points. And you can just bank those. And you you can bank those, or yeah. you can buy skills with them. You know, whatever. If you so if you're saving up for like a master skill, yeah, you're gonna, you know, you might you might want to bank them. So surviving, just being there during the sessions, yep. give you ten. Yep. Um, which is great because that that puts you at level two if you survive, which I love is is great. Um, but the idea of giving XP one to three XP in game for things is not based on what you kill necessarily. Like, it it could be if you chose to lean into character tropes and things like that, which I think is a definite way to, to, to tell your story. But I think one of the neatest things they say is the best thing to do is advance, is give out XP when people advance the story in a dangerous way. Yeah. And I, I like that concept. Like... The, the the story is meant to be dangerous, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when the scientist brings back a sample, like, give him some XP, because that makes for an interesting addition to the story. Right, and it's not because the scientist did a science thing. Right. It's because the scientists put themselves in harm's way to do the science thing. Right. And they, they have a little sidebar in there that is, like, it is very specifically spells out out of, like, this is not for doing your, your job. No. This is for endangering yourself. Right. Like the the com- the the uh commanding soldier who sets the place to explode and makes it out. Mm-hmm. Like okay, he put himself in danger, had to take care of the situation. You but... now have 3 minutes to reach minimum safe distance. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's it's those types of things that it's leaning into for this game is get dangerous. Yeah. And get dangerous for everyone. Yeah. This isn't lone yep. wolf danger here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you just brought back an egg specimen. That that probably is going to turn out bad in the second episode What's when it egg. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And because the game uh, does this as part of the trope, I almost feel like you could very comfortably run uh, a non-continuous session. We're like, yeah. So here's our first adventure. And the first adventure ended with, you know, them blowing up the facility and the doctor getting away with a sample, uh-huh. right? And and everyone barely surviving. Maybe, like, one of the player's characters died, right? Right. So now the second session comes up. It's only, been six months. It's been it's yeah. literally six months since you guys played last, but two of the players want to play again, the doctor and uh, the soldier, but the other three party members aren't there and you got three new people. Okay. You wake up on a cryostasis. Your ship has crash landed. Looking in the pod next to you, the the, the middle of it is, it is broken, and both of your compatriots are dead. One his body is missing. Oh, so it's Alien Three. Okay, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but like you could just non continuous run right into the next story and continue. And I love that about this. It 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 lends itself to allowing that to happen, and for things to keep going. It it, it that's just. That's fun to me. That's mm-hmm. really fun to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the mechanics, uh, we, we kind of discussed a little bit earlier. Uh, the whole the whole thing uses a number of D10. Um, now, it's a, it's a little weird sometimes. Some Sometimes the dice you're rolling are additive. They're usually percentile. Sometimes it's additive, but you multiply it by 10. Sometimes it's percentile, but you multiply it by 10. I don't know. It, 
they they will specify in the rolls, but you're only ever using D10, so at least that's the comforting. And there part. is a cheat sheet that helps. There is a cheat sheet that helps. Um, uh, so your main mechanic is every skill trick check is just an attribute check. Yep. Your skills don't function by themselves. It's always to modify the base attribute that they are rolling off of. Mm-hmm. Um, since you rolled those six D10 to get your starting attributes, then modified by your class, your starting attributes should be somewhere 30 plus or minus. Sure. Okay. Um, and then obviously your skills modify those by 10, 15, or 20%. Uh, those are the uh, things you're going to try to roll percentile dice. For those of you who are new, percentile is rolling 2D10. You will designate one as a 10s digit, one as a 1s digit. So if mm-hmm. you roll a 7 and a 1, you have rolled a 71. Yep. Um, you're trying to roll at or under your attribute, mm-hmm. your modified attribute. Yep. Uh, and that's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, or Or your saves. Yes. Okay. Um, dice modifiers. You have advantage and disadvantage. Actually, very much like 5th edition. Yeah, pretty straightforward. Roll twice, take the best roll, take the worst roll, depending on uh, what you're doing with that. It does have a crit system. It does have a crit so system. If you... I thought the crit system was really cool, actually. No, I like it. Anytime you roll doubles of a number, 11, 33, you know, uh, 77, mm-hmm. uh, that counts as a crit, whether it's a success or a failure. And I, I think that's great. Right. If it's a crit success or crit failure, depends on if it was above or below your stat. Right, which is a great way to do it. Um, and it doesn't really go into super detail about that, mm-hmm. which is lovely. Like, yeah. it just says, it is. this is what this is the trigger point. Yeah. Which is great. Yep. Um, and then if you roll double odd, that actually counts as zero. I know in a lot of systems that'll count as a hundred. Yeah. Um, this counts as, as a zero. Um, and that means it's critical success because it's literally as low as you can roll. And then if you roll a 99, it's always a critical failure. Um, and so you've got, uh, those, those mechanics. Then you've got stress. This is where it definitely leans more toward alien and the whole alien system. Oh yeah. I, I like the idea of stress. I think the way that they describe it and enforce it is good um i think it's a little granular for a narrative system but it again the system is not narrative it's osr by design yeah yeah it's it's osr light Mm -hmm. um but uh but it is definitely i think more of an osr game than like a rules light narrative game but it helps explain the simplicity that is uh instead of going in like oh you're starving or, mm-hmm. oh, you're doing this. It's, you have stress because you're hungry and haven't eaten for two days. Or, you have stress because you haven't slept for two days, you know. Excuse or, me. you got knocked unconscious. Like, all of these things can cause stress. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to have each of those be a, additional stats, they are just a stress roll. That's yep. what they're trying to express there. Yep. Uh, so, those those add stress, and your stress will just start totaling up. Mm-hmm. Um. Best I could find in the rules, there's no upper limit to the amount of stress you can have. No, but it weighs but it, on it other things. A, it has a, it has a, what we call a soft cap. Mm-hmm. Um, a soft cap, for those of you who are not familiar with the term, is um, that there isn't a hard limit, as in the maximum you can have is 20. Mm-hmm. Okay? But a soft cap is that w- there is a point at which it functionally becomes impossible to get any more right because there's either diminishing returns that that make it you know so negligible to have any more points or another rule makes it so that um anything higher than that doesn't have any effect right 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 uh and the rule that makes 
stress soft capped is panic. Which makes a lot of sense. Um, so stress just kind of sits there. Stress doesn't actually technically do anything by itself. Um, it, it's just a number on your sheet to indicate just how worked up your character is. When Then you have to make a panic roll um, occasionally if, like, you fail a fear check mm -hmm. or, uh, like, your ship comes under fire or you take 50% um, or more of your hit points in a single hit. Ouch. Uh, things like that. You may be called upon to make a panic check. I think that makes sense. Like, you just lost a limb. You at know? which point you roll 2d10. And this is additive. Okay, so you're yep. going to get a result of between 2 and 10. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to consult your stress. If you roll higher than your current stress, you keep your cool. And in fact, you reduce your stress by 1. If you do not, if you roll at or under your stress, you panic. Mm -hmm. And this is where you roll on the panic chart. You roll 2d10 and add your stress mm -hmm. to that result. Which, if you had, like, 15 stress, could give you a 35 if you roll double double zeros. And there are bad things that can happen. And then you consult the chart. Mm -hmm. Now, if you are at very low stress and you just had a little bump and you just, just panicked a little bit, okay? Sometimes those are actually good outcomes. Two to six on the panic chart is actually things like adrenaline rush. Mm -hmm. You get advantage on all of your rolls for the next, like, ten minutes because you're hyper-focused now because you've got all that adrenaline pumping through your body. Right, right, right. Um, after seven on up to 30, 30 is where it maxes out, it gets progressively worse. It's, it starts little with things like you become fidgety and, and, and uh, you know, aggressive, you know. Um, you may get argumentative or attack people on site or something like that. Or you may be at disadvantage for any roles that require manual dexterity because you're shaking so much. This feels like this. Uh, every step of this reminds me of the abyss. Yeah. And the one the one military guy who basically got like cabin fever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Uh, what is epoxia is what kind of affected him initially. Yeah. And then it just kept. It, going from there it was the pressure yeah. then it was the pressure yeah um but then when you start getting up to like literally the highest numbers in there you start spiraling into madness and there is like real hard problems that start occurring in like the high 20s when you get to 29 your character goes permanently insane and it says hand your character sheet to the warden they are they now the the, the, the storyteller now runs your character mm -hmm. um and 30 you have a heart attack you are dead so when I say there's a soft cap, <laughs> yeah, no, no. There's <laughs> at a, a certain point, you roll two d10 and add your current stress. There is a certain point at which you it is impossible to roll anything that does not result in the end of your character. Yep, yep. In some way, in some way, yes. Um, so that's that's the it and that's not that that that's about as bad as it gets in this yeah. game. Everything yeah. else is pretty mechanical for OSR. Combat is deadly. Yep. Don't. Don't get in combat. It literally says avoid it. Yeah. Like, avoid combat if you can. You are squishy. You will die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, initiative is a speed check. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought it was kind of cool. Um, you, uh, if you just, everybody makes a speed check. Mm -hmm. um, if they succeed, they act before the enemies. If they fail, they act after the enemies. Simple. So you end up with these three phases of combat where it's like the fast people, the enemies, and then the slow people. That makes sense. 
Um, typically rolling for combat checks, you're going to be rolling um, your modified skills. Mm-hmm. You have a combat skill, or is one of your attributes on there is combat. So you're going to be rolling that, like possibly modifying it with your gun, your military training, your firearms or weapon specialization, um, whatever you know training or equipment you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to avoid damage, um, it's actually a saving throw. Mm-hmm. You have armor saves. That you can make mm-hmm. uh, to avoid damage. Um, things like cover and actual physical armor will add to your armor save uh, to help you avoid taking uh, taking damage. Um, HP tends to be pretty low. Avoid combat. It's Weapons very lethal. Weapons tend to be very high. Um, and de- losing your hit points is very unforgiving. This is not D&D 5th edition. If you lose half your HP in one hit, it's instant panic check. Mm-hmm. And if you drop to zero, it's make a body save or die. Yep. Straight up. Yep. So, uh, the only really other thing that Mothership has uh, going on here is, is ships. Ships, yeah. And ships are pretty simple. I mm-hmm. mean, in all honesty, they, they really simplified how ships function. Um, they didn't get into the granular, like... This is how this system works. This is how that system works. It's like, these are the base requirement systems for a ship. Yeah. Like, you have to have these four things. After that, everything else is additive. And you don't run the ship. The ship is, you you give it commands, and that command architecture is only as good as the ship's computer is. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, Mm -hmm. like, if you're you're flying and you're trying to outmaneuver another ship and shoot at it, do you have enough actions to be able to handle that, including like opening pay doors and and airlocks and turning off systems? All of those are function calls to the system, yeah. which again count against the computer's ability to handle that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and in some ways it feels hamstrung. You know, like you can't, uh, you 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 can't do ship to ship combat. But in the same regard, I think it fits very well with the system because. You're not out there doing, you know, a a multi-crewed uh, a vessel. This is a, you know, any ship could be commanded by a person and a computer and the the onboard computer. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it's designed for. It's designed for the last man standing and or complete computer control. Yeah, yeah. And that that's just the way these systems work. Like if you want to get out there and do something, maybe you guys have some fighters and you can launch a fighter. Yeah. You know, and now you can go do that on your own. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, you don't have an onboard system. It's just you. So when you die, that ship is pretty much useless. It will not return. Yep. You know, kind of a thing. But the but you can still go out there and do shooty, shooty, bang, bang. Sure. You know, and die in shooty, shooty, bang, bang. Right. Because combat is lethal. And what the hell are you doing? Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Because, oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Space combat uses mega damage. Another <laughs> palladium name out of yeah, nowhere. Yeah, somebody grew up playing Rifts, man. It, I, honestly, it makes a lot of sense when you're dealing with large-scale weapons mm-hmm. or massive-scale weapons. The, the term makes sense. Yeah, sure, sure, You know, sure, this sure. is 10 to 100 times stronger than your BB gun you're shooting somebody with. It is true. It is going to obliterate you. Yes. Don't even think that it won't. You're not tanking this. Yeah, yeah. You know, likewise, neither is the Xenomorph on your hull that you just ripped apart with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I to agree with that guy. Yeah. Nobody yeah. likes him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, uh, so running a game, running a game of, of, of Mothership, um... Now, this does not have any sort of appreciable, like, warden section. Warden's what they call the, the storyteller in this game. No, it um, does not. 
Uh, this is really just a bare bones rule set. It tells you, uh, it tells you how to create a character. It tells you the rules of the game, all the mechanics, and then it gets the hell out of your way. Um, so I mean, for for better or for worse, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but what I would say though is that the book itself is very clear about the tone and the style the game is trying to convey. Yes. Um, from the get go, it really makes itself feel like it's very it's very honest about being a gritty space survival, mm-hmm. uh, possibly having horror elements to it, uh, depending on how deep into yeah. that you want to you want to delve. Um, I would say if, if you've got familiar to, familiarity with uh, Alien RPG from Free League, um, or Call of Cthulhu from Chaosium. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is going to feel familiar to you. Yeah, and knowing that those are two games that this is adjacent to should tell you a lot about how it's going to run. Yeah, I mean, it it, it lends to the alien, predator, Cthulian, uh You are meek. The world is dangerous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. Um, but hey, do the best you can. You know. Yeah. Uh you pulled a couple quotes here. I did. I went. Uh, I went after reviews, and I I agree. After going through the thing, I agreed with these three. Sure. Uh problem solving in mothership is lethal. Yeah. Because you're you're almost always putting yourself on the line or mm-hmm. your team on the line or everyone on the line to achieve whatever it is. And that's that's just the heart of the game. Yeah. Um failure means death, but success means there are stakes. Yeah. So, yeah, like you might do something and if it's successful it means it's not over yet. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Like you've just raised the stakes of whatever the situation is. Uh, and made it more challenging for the next thing. Because, again, you might now have more stress. You may have just succeeded, but your stress went up. But at what cost? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and then I loved this. I loved this whole quote, and that was, Mothership is made of iron. It is filled with pistons and hoses with oil leaking out of them. It's objective. It relies on its numbers. There are no tags or aspects or points for role play or pacing. It is not malicious, it's indifferent. Yep, just like the cold blackness of space. Yeah. The odds are slim, but they are printed on your character sheet. <laughs> it's true. And every and, bit of that is true. And yeah. and I but I love that. It's not malicious, it's indifferent. Mm-hmm. And that's honesty. Yeah. This system feels like it's malicious, but in truth, it's just giving you the cold dark void of space and saying this is life. Yeah, you dems you, the brakes. You are mortal, and you do not belong here. Yeah, you made the decision to come here, right? So, yeah, uh, and it it feels it all the way through, all the way through. <laughs> you looked at the blackness of space, and space looked back and said, "Bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off." <laughs> Ooh. That is that is fair. That is fair. That is fair. Um. So there are a lot of resources for this. Yeah, I was kind I was, of surprised. I am surprised as well, yeah. Um, the main site has direct resources right on it. Many of them are free yep, and very yep. accessible. You and so can, what, you... MothershipRPG.com, I yes. think? Yeah. Um, there's, uh, and, and just by searching Mothership RPG and digging in the first few links on Google or anywhere, you find a lot more resources that are out there. Other adventures and stuff. Um the uh, the company actually does Mother Show, which is their, like, YouTube about mothership that focuses on it and i think that's great um and it goes into things lately they've been doing a lot about mothership zero versus mothership 1.0 
uh, which is their Kickstarter um, and the new box set, because uh, they wanted to have a slim down box set that included everything. And it actually includes the Player Survival Guide, uh, the New Warden's Operations Manual, and Unconfirmed Contact Reports. Those mm. are the three big things. And so you've got your survival guide, which is the updated one that we've been running off of. A warden's operation, which some content actually got moved into. Um, and then this unconfirmed contract reports, which is actually like the horrors of the horror itself. So the the idea is is that it includes entities, abominations, like and just a contact report. I, like, I we found this. Just the name, Unconfirmed Contact Reports, just just makes my imagination start dancing, man. But it, again, it pushes you farther into the narrative yeah. of what the story is trying to put. And it's yeah. all illustrated, and there's 40 unique things in it to start with to get you going. It's got so this it's, real SCP feel so to it. Exactly. So it's kind <laughs> of a monster manual and, like, story prep in one. Right, And right. I love that. I, I think that's great. No, and that, good. that really turned me through... Uh, of saying that this wasn't complete, that mm-hmm. you didn't have things that a narrative th- this makes it complete, and the price for this at uh, at uh, Kickstart was just under thirty dollars. Mm-hmm. So for any other base book that you'd get from any other system, this sits under that, and you have a complete system with adventures ready to go. Was this the uh, is this the book that uh, um, was priced at its point because it's it's also uh, no. tied into some charity? That is uh, Dissident Whispers, okay. which is one of the resources that you can find now. That was developed and is, is actually a... Um, was designed to be a uh, Black Lives Matters support book. Oh, right, right, yeah, um, okay. And all of the proceeds to that book, it's like $22, I think, and it's, uh, no matter where you get it, whether you get it from them or DriveThruRPG, um, all of the proceeds for that go to support... Um, BLM. Uh, not BLM, but... Uh, um, uh, an association, but it's very clearly listed. Sure, sure. Um, but it's not just for... Um, uh, for Mothership, there are open adventures in there. They're for any system. There are adventures for Mothership. There are adventures for Morkborg in there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's yeah, yeah. all That's kinds right, of stuff right. in there that it's is that is really pack, good, at, right? But it's and it's all done in really unique art. There's a lot of collaboration that happened with it. It looks beautiful. I'm probably going to pick a copy up for myself awesome. just because I think it's a great way yeah, to go into it. Let me know. Um, but they also have an Android and Apple app. Yeah, how cool is that? So you you in the free version you have streamlined character creation. You can do it all right on your phone. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, with a dice roller built in that does your checks, your saves, everything else. Sure. And inventory management. Mothership Beyond. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, and it does have the status tracking, so you can keep track of everything else. Good. If you buy the pro version, it's like you can, as a storyteller, one-click create a character. Oh, wow. Instantaneously, which is great. You can import and export those. So you can send them to people, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they can start using them. Uh, you can hire contractors. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. There's a whole system in there for, for like, hiring contractors, like, mercenaries and stuff. Like yep. And they get, like, little stream, stream, uh, uh, thin-down stat blocks and stuff like that. It's kind which, of your makeshift monster manual-ish sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. they can be allies as well. So. And, of course, unlimited characters. They've got some custom portrait or custom character portraits that are coming in. Uh, and a night void theme, so it's easier on your eyes. Mm-hmm. You know? But I thought that that was great that they have an app already ready to go. Yeah. That's awesome. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. So it, it, it feels really good. I'm glad their Kickstarter took off as well as it did and that they're working well through this. I think we'll be seeing the box sets 
sometime in 2023, sure. like on shelves as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know the PDFs are trickling out to the backers right now for the Kickstarter. So yeah, if you're yeah, in yeah. part of that, let us know because I'd, I'd be interested to hear how that's going. Right on. From the inside, because right I'm I'm always interested in that, but it sounds like they're having a lot of fun with it. So there, there's some there's something you said uh, about the AIs opening and closing doors that made me, uh, made me think of exactly the setting that I would run in Mothership. Okay. Uh, and that is uh, one of Bungie's very first games. Marathon before, before Halo, before Myth the Fallen Lords. Oh, they Myth had, the Fallen Lords. No, okay. no, no, no. Before, oh, before Myth the, the Fallen Lords, they had Marathon. Marathon was the original. Right. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it would, it would run really well in Mothership. I bet. That I would bet. Run, I could, I could, oh, oh, and I know all the lore for it. Oh, man, I could See? run a short little. And again, simple to get into this. 20 minutes to build a character. Oh, man, I kind of want to do that now. You still could. Holy cow. Oh, my, my list of, like, little one. That's the bad thing about doing these system spotlights, man, is because I start coming up with a bunch of games that I may never run. Hey, Sarah. Hmm. A lot of these indie games can be run in a single night. It's true. And we have listeners who have asked for moments like this. This is true. We're not suggesting anything. We're not suggesting we're anything. Spitballing we're spitballing here. We're just, we're just throwing spaghetti get, at the wall and see what sticks. Do not get too excited. We're do just going to run it up the flagpole and see if anybody salutes. <laughs> we're just going to put it on the stoop and see if the cat licks it up. <laughs> All right. Closing thoughts on this one. Yeah. Uh, so what does Mothership do well? Um, I would say it's surprisingly dense for 36 pages. It is. Um, it's surprisingly dense for its character sheet. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, I mean, it is a fully realized RPG with enough depth and crunch to handle a myriad of situations. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it amazingly captures the feel and function of a gritty space survival. I agree. Um, uh, like I said, it it very much like like what Alien RPG accomplishes in like three hundred pages, Mothership accomplishes in a tenth of that space. Yes. Um. No, mind you, it is with all the serial numbers filed off it's with none of the amazing artwork or layout or yeah. this is this is not me throwing shade at free league that alien book is a work of damn art it is but if you distilled the rules down mm-hmm. and wanted to still get a playable game with the same feeling yeah. mothership does it in a tenth of the space not only that but it is it is as bob barker would say the price is right yeah because at 750 for what you want to pay not even like yep. you could just walk away with PDF if you, that's what you need to do. You can change you can change the price to free on Drive Through RPG, and it says, "Okay, let's check you out." Yeah, and that is that is lovely, especially mm-hmm. right now because that tells you, like, "Hey, we're doing all right with this Kickstarter. Go ahead and take this one." Yeah. When we get our box set out, you're gonna want it. Don't worry about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and there's nothing that that box set really needs to be able to go, but there's a lot that you're gonna want out of it. Yeah. To yep. make your life easier. Um. And, like, for $30, right, out of a normal book. So if I was just to get the player's handbook for D&D or, or uh, God forbid, I go after, like, Alien or one of the other books that are, like, 40 to $50, right? Mm-hmm. I can get the player's handbook and two other element books to have full adventures ready to go. Yeah. And, and have a completed set or obviously after this kickstarter kicks in i would have that like that box set is just one book of any other publisher at their size mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that makes it super accessible and fun yeah amazing so what does mothership not do well holy lord d10 please <laughs> pick 
pick a way to handle it. That's that's all I'm asking. Yeah. I think my, my first thing I wrote under, under what does it not do well? Surprisingly dense for 36 pages <laughs> long. <laughs> dense, but a different way of dense. Um, yeah, I mean, like, just... Uh, uh, the, yeah, pick one application of your D10 and, and use it. Like, it was just very confusing. A lot of times it's just, like, grabbing handfuls of D10 and not knowing if I'm rolling percentile or if I'm rolling additive or, you know, mm-hmm. what whatnot's going on there. If I'm multiplying it by 10 this time around or not, based on whether it is underlined. Yeah. Um is and I, I i get okay that's a it's a formatting choice it's but I, I get it you but, warned me about that as well yeah. because going into this you're like hey be advised your brain's gonna melt because i know you're dyslexic and this is going to be challenging for you yeah we've, we've talked about that because blocks of text make your make your eyes swim they and do you they really do you can't focus on individual letters and we like with some of those broad artistic formats where like you know uh, uh, you got seven different fonts on the same page, like Arc Doom did, or mm-hmm. like Morkbork did. That's very easy for you to read. Yeah, super. Um, I like messaged you earlier in the day, and I was like, just don't, don't bother reading. Well, you this. sent me a, a shot of one of the pages just real briefly, and I stared at it and realized there were like nine columns of text. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, Lord. But right in the middle, in bold, it's like, what gives you stress? And I'm like, this page? This page? <laughs> like, <laughs> this page is giving me stress. So, uh, yeah, I, I almost told him, like, I will just teach you how to play this. Just sit this yeah. one out. It's fine. Don't, I did don't read through it. Through it, it. Was, it, was, it was a grind. It was harder for me to get through yeah. it. Um, and it is the player survival guide. It's not the DM's survival guide. Yeah, this, this will, other than the context clues of how the rules are written and how the game teaches you to play it in how those rules are written, there is no storyteller, game master, warden section in here. Yeah. You kind of have to just know the rules and go through the motions. But for free, or very close to free. Hey, there you go. You know, the, you know? the, cro- the cost of a decent, like, fast food meal you can play for cost of a cup of coffee at starbucks oh lord that is true holy lord um but the the truth is it's a cup of coffee yeah but you can get into this and then make decisions on how you're going to run it right yeah 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 i would say in its detriment it is not very accessible for new storytellers because it is osr and osr by trade you have to kind of know what you're getting into to be able to run it i agree um, I agree, and and there's nothing, there's no soft shoeing into this one. Yeah, uh, OS, OSR definitely has a very distinct mouthfeel, you know, to it. That's yeah. just you Ex- know. expect that you're going to have to write and build and make notes and and accept your fate as being the storyteller to degenerate, mm-hmm. um, and prepare. And this definitely forces you into that 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 realm. On the other hand, it reminds you that the numbers are are there on both sides really doesn't matter don't worry about balance bring that xenomorph on it's gonna suck yeah absolutely uh the the the, the, uh uh legally distinct alien uh entity of carnivorous intent yes uh for legal purposes yes um uh, all right we did have a couple discord questions we did we did i think we got through some of these but let's let's kick them just to make sure so tim saucer asks uh when i've run lasers and feelings i've found that my experienced players had mental blocks with the mechanic of sometimes rolling over a target number and sometimes rolling under by contrast my inexperienced players had no problems with it oh it's only a minor inconvenience do you have any tips for helping with this um me myself i'm a visual learner yes 
Um, and so instantly I would want to draw a line mm-hmm. across my the three by five card that will serve as my character sheet. Sure. Um, and I will write lasers on one side. I will write feelings on the other, and I will label it one, two, three, four, five, six. I will circle the number that is my midpoint. And then I will know which side of that line I am trying to roll my dice on. Over and under, yep. Um, left or right. Left or right, sorry. Over case, or yes. under, yeah, yeah, I mean, just, you know, make it make it visual, I think. That way you can physically see, like, okay, this is where my, my dice need to be in the one, the two, or the three, because it's on right. the laser's side of the line. Right, right, right. And... Or vice versa. I'm not sure. I can't remember which it was. Yeah, and again, that's part of the problem, is, is that you can't remember if... Lasers high, feelings low? No. Feelings high, laser <laughs> The game has low. one mechanic and we can't remember. <laughs> right, because it, it doesn't lend well to itself. So yeah, I would say yeah. that, yeah, there's a lot of players who are going to run into that thing. But I think uh, coming up with your own catchphrase of, of up or down uh-huh. and, you know, over under however you want to say it, um, is probably going to be your best way to, to attack that. Yep, yep. So, and, and honestly... Um, especially if you've got a bunch of players who played other systems and rolled a lot of dice, start them off with start them off in the middle of something. Mm-hmm. Force them to make decisions on approach, and and make some rolls, so that you're they're handling those approaches and they're you know your session zero should be chock full of odd rolls. Yeah, sure, sure, just absolutely. to get them started, just, just to get them warmed up, get yep. them used to the dice mechanic on on low stakes things. Yep. you know it doesn't matter if they succeed or fail; it's just more important that they're making the rolls and that they're learning the mechanic. Yep. Um, so Nevim, uh, as per usual, asks a handful of questions here. Uh, so what kind of sci-fi game would you play with each game? I think we, we more or less covered that. You've yeah. got sort of a bright space advent, you know, 1960s, 1970s wacky space adventure with lasers and feelings. And yeah, bring your 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 uh, your silver lame and your, you know, and your half shirtless uh, you know, captains and your, you know, uh, odd, obviously looking weird aliens who have, you know, f- who are miscolored. You I'm know? an alien creature. Why? Because I'm perfectly human, but I've got a blue face. That's right. Yes. Or, 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 you know, I'm speaking with like a, 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 a lizard like sound, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, a- anything like that. So, whereas on the other side of the coin, you are dealing with dark, gritty survival. So literally remove the planet remove remove all of the elements that you think are safe and comfortable about you know warmth and shelter and say you're in a tin can is that tin can in the vacuum of space or is that tin can landing on a hostile environment where you must remain in your tin can or die mm-hmm. you know and and you're moving from one tin can to another tin can yep and those tin cans are made of tin not titanium not any other thing. It can get punched right through and suck you out through a tiny hole as well. Yeah. And one of the things that it states is, is like, it doesn't talk about what vacuum does. Because there's a lot of things that vacuum could do. It, it does, actually. It uh, Under the rules for asphyxiation, it actually tells you how long you can survive in space, and it's about 15 seconds. Yeah. But, like, players can make a decision on, like, all right, we got him back in time. Uh-huh. Okay. Excellent. So he has some stress? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. He's unconscious. There's a reason it's called hard vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But it's that kind of thing where it is survival, Mm -hmm. and it is up to you to set the level of survival, but make sure that the word survival is part of it. It is not heroic survival. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so, could the rules be used to easily play in some famous franchises? Star Wars, Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, Babylon 5, Firefly, Serenity, Dune. Yes, 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 and yes, I believe. Though, you will want, of our two systems we talked about, you'll want to choose the right one for the job. I would say Star Wars, Star Trek, um, Firefly... Arguably Babylon 5, probably good for lasers and feelings. I think it's good for both. And I'll, I'll explain why later, but continue. Um, I think Battlestar Galactica... Uh, now, mind you, I am basing this off of the remake that was made in recent years, not the original, because I've never seen the original. Okay. Um, and I would say, yeah, some Firefly, if you really want to get into like the Reavers and crap like that. Like, you could take, you could take the darker aspects of Firefly, Dune... Definitely, mm-hmm. um, and roll those out of Mothership, yeah. I would say, I, I will say this, Firefly, Lasers and Feelings without a doubt. Yeah, Serenity, okay. I would push toward Mothership. to Mothership, because yeah. it definitely had that darker, more gritty, they are trying to survive mode. I'm yeah. not saying it wasn't, there weren't episodes of Firefly that felt like Mothership, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mal nearly dying. Dead in space. Yeah. Dead in space, I think, was the name of the episode. Yeah, yeah. literally. Um, Dune. Dune's got a bit of a different feel because it's more of a political it's story neither. than, yeah. It is neither because neither of these games believe believe in, in extended politics. Yeah, yeah. And, and manipulation. They're not designed for that. So I think Dune does not work. Battlestar Galactica, again, prior Definitely would be Lasers and Feelings. It was Lasers and Feelings first and Mothership second. Second, Correct. Um, Star Wars, again, depends on how you're feeling out. It's a very... Star Wars is very large. It's a a versatile IP, too, yeah. Yeah, you you can go from Clone Wars, which feels like Lasers and Feelings, all the way to The Clone Wars and have a very different feel about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Star Trek... Um, for the most part, I would say is Lasers and Feelings. Star Trek is Lasers and Feelings straight up. It's Lasers and Feelings is Star Trek with the with the serial numbers filed off. Yeah, yeah, because even the more survival episodes are still Lasers and Feelings. Yeah, they are. I mean, rarely does anyone die in Star or in Star Trek at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when they do, it's a big cinematic deal of like this person in real life got a different contract with a movie or something like yep. that you know and so they had to leave the show yeah so we had to write them out you know it's never because like oh we just killed characters yeah you know yep um so i yeah it's, it's really a judge of like just just find the tone of the ip you're trying to emulate and mm-hmm. if it's gritty survival you can run it in mothership if it's kind of light and fantastical run it in lasers and feelings yep um and then what part was the most interesting at least one Mm. Uh, I I think my aha moment for Lasers and Feelings was when I realized that it played like Legend of the Five Rings. Okay. In that it does not matter how strong or fast or witty your character is. Like, those aren't attributes you have. Mm-mm. There is no physical scale of your character's boundaries. Mm-mm. There is only... What's your approach? Is your approach? Does your approach tend to be more emotional, or does it tend to be more logical? Mm-hmm. And then you just go from there. Mm-hmm. And so, te- technically, anybody can do anything. Yeah, with the appropriate roles, it just depends on how many dice you get. If you're considered an expert in it, or if you're prepared for it. Yeah. Um. 
I think for me in I, I, I Lasers and Feelings was easy to see, easy to feel. It it felt very heroic. It mm-hmm. felt very very accessible for me in a cinematic way because me and narratives go well together. I there was no question. It was Lady Blackbird all over again. Yeah, there's, there's a very definite feel when even just in the style of the sheet that just says "eff it, let's just have some fun." But uh, I think for Mothership, I didn't look at it like an OSR originally, mm-hmm. and then as I got more and more into it, and I understood where they were going with the direction of it. It was an accessible OSR. Yeah. Yeah. That screamed Palladium to me. Like, screamed, like, this is what Palladium could have been. I get it, yeah. And there's there's aspects there that I see that are so blatant that it simplified it. Like, I could easily do a gritty, proper Robotech yeah. in this without yeah. much difficulty. Yeah. Like, I could even consider bringing mechs. Like, figure out a mech module for this without, again, much difficulty. Just use the ship rules. Kind of, yeah. I mean, yes and no, it would be less heroic. Mm-hmm. It'd be arguably a little more survival Gundam. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, um, which, again, would be a very interesting one. Like, imagine, like, well, old school battle tech. You could do old school battle tech. Yeah, I suppose you could, yeah. You know? Where they were original mech jocks, where things just didn't work out sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, and and that has its own feeling. So yeah. yeah, I could I could definitely get behind like first jumps of BattleTech, like the but be, as Comstar was building, like oh, those yeah. years, yeah, you know, like when the very the very beginning like Terran hegemony, yeah. Yeah. And it's it's hard, it's dark. Pre-Star League. You know, it's yeah. almost Firefly-like in, in a way. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you, you don't know what you're getting into, but mm-hmm. it's all it's, it's all humanity. Yeah, know, I can see it. Spreading itself I out. It. I can actually almost see this using Mothership, too, as a, uh, a substitute for, like, out-of-the-mech rules for modern Battletech as well. Because, like... Modern Battletech, like, is not, does not have that, like, heroic, pulpy feel to it at all. Like, no. the... The overarching theme of BattleTech is is essentially that like technology marches, technology and time marches forward. People remain assholes. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's terribly accurate. That's terribly accurate. And so, honestly, all the all the rigors of of space and just the stress and the panic and the horribleness of it is still there. You've just got battle mechs now. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right, you want to you want to put a cork in this one? Yeah, let's do that. Let's All do right. that. So our next week's topic is going to be how you can set your storyteller up for success. Yeah, I mean we we've talked about it in the past. We we we've done like your hey, what can you do? And I think it's time to revisit because I've seen way too many posts about storyteller burnout. I mean we've talked it. I I know we've talked about it. We haven't talked about it on the show, but like the sheer number. Of players to storytellers. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were recent topics about New York being short of DMs and people buying people yeah. to try and DM for them. And the vast difference between OSR DMs and narrative DMs and how hard it is, what you have to bring to the table, what you're expected to bring to the table. Yep. But we're not going to be talking to the DMs on this one. Yep, we are We are no longer storyteller conclave. We are now players listen, listen up conclave. This one goes out to you. 
and we're going to tell you how to how to make our easy our, our lives a little easier here. So you can find us on Twitter at st underscore conclave on Instagram at st underscore conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern time on mixlr.com slash storyteller dash conclave. And join us on our Discord. We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us some questions. Join the community. We've had a lot of new users come on uh, oh, yeah, lately too. Uh, so welcome to all of our all of our new listeners. Uh, we'd love to have you join the conversation. Uh, find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, storytellerconclave.com. We'd like to thank our Patreon members who help support us every month, especially our name members: Knox in the Box, Subject Sam, The Arcane Asylum, Spark Emotion Veteran, Hulavu, and Sean. We truly appreciate all your help. Our pre-show music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at Patreon.com/slash/ArcaneAnthems uh, or on Instagram. Uh, our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which you're hearing right now, is Only Our Foots and Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freedommusicarchive.org. Uh, and a big shout out as, as always to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting Thank us. Thank you. All of our friends who've sat beside our tables has given us these great stories to share with you over the years. And you, every single one of our listeners, we love you guys, love you guys. so much. Good night. Good night.